Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The night was heavy with anticipation as we geared up for our airborne insertion. We were a Navy SEAL team on a mission, tasked with parachuting deep behind enemy lines to gather crucial intel. The adrenaline coursed through our veins, each of us mentally preparing for the calculated chaos that awaited us. The hatch opened, and the roar of the plane's engines mingled with the rhythmic beating of our hearts. As I leapt into the void, the Inkai darkness swallowed me whole. My parachute deployed with a reassuring snap, and for a moment I hung suspended between heaven and earth, a lone shadow in the vast expanse. The plan was precise. Descend, regroup mid-air, and glide silently into the designated drop zone. However, the best-laid plans often crumble in the face of unforeseen circumstances. The night betrayed us with gusts of wind, mercilessly whipping us off course. I struggled to control my parachute, the ground below becoming an abstract mosaic of shadows. Communication crackled through the headset, revealing the extent of the navigation errors. We were miles away from our intended drop zone, deep in unfamiliar territory. Panic lingered on the edges of our composure, threatening to unravel the fabric of our mission. As I descended through the moonlit night, my boots met the ground with an unsettling crunch. The team assembled in the darkness, the foreign landscape a stark contrast to the maps etched in our minds. We were in uncharted territory, a situation that demanded adaptability and resilience. The first signs of danger were subtle and otherworldly rustle in the underbrush. 
an eerie silence that echoed through the unfamiliar terrain. The oppressive darkness seemed to harbor secrets, and we moved cautiously, senses heightened. Then it revealed itself an unknown creature, a silhouette against the shadows, its eyes reflecting an otherworldly glint. The creature lunged with a speed that defied reason, and chaos erupted. My training kicked in as I grappled with the unknown assailant. Its movements were alien, unpredictable. Every instinct screamed danger as we engaged in a deadly dance in the moonlit wilderness. The creature's claws scraped against my armor, and my breaths came in ragged gasps. Survival instincts took over, and with a burst of adrenaline, I managed to break free. I staggered backward, my eyes fixed on the creature as it retreated into the darkness. The encounter left me shaken, a silent witness to the existence of something beyond our comprehension. As the team regrouped, we sent out distress signals, our beacon in the wilderness. The minutes stretched into an agonizing eternity, the unknown creature's presence lingering in the shadows. Then salvation arrived a rescue team emerging from the darkness, their reassuring silhouettes cutting through the night. Battered but alive, we were extracted from the perilous situation that unfolded miles away from our intended destination. The creature remained a mystery, a cryptic encounter etched into the annals of our mission. As I looked back at the wilderness we left behind, I couldn't shake the feeling that some secrets were best left in the shadows, a testament to the unpredictable nature of the unknown that awaited those who dared to venture beyond the boundaries of familiarity. As a kid, I used to wake up to see people standing around my bed. Not a crowd, but one or two or three. They'd be just standing there looking at me and sometimes around my brother's bed as well. I'd close my eyes and hightail it out of there to my parents' room and sleep on the floor for the rest of the night. It started on a family vacation to Maryland where we were staying in a large old home. I woke up to an old white lady with a black man standing in the doorway of this large room. The adults put the kids in to sleep. She pointed at me and he walked over to my bed, picked me up and laid me back down facing the other direction. I spun back around in the bed and they were gone. The second time was staying the night at my aunt's house, another person watching in the doorway. From there it progressed to be a more common occurrence. As I was getting older this was plain getting old. I remember one night trying to touch one of their hands, but there was nothing tangible there. I know most are going to say it was the imagination of a child, but back then I swear it was real. So much that I am getting goosebumps writing this. No lie. It all stopped when I prayed to Jesus to make me not see the people anymore. One prayer and it ended. Since they were never threatening figures, I always considered them to be angels of sorts. Hence why they went invisible when I asked for them to go away. No, they weren't white with wings, just people standing there. When I was seven years old, my mom, my younger brother, and I were sitting in our living room watching TV. It was a typical evening, and we were all enjoying a relaxing night in. Our living room had an open layout, and the kitchen was visible from where we were sitting. The kitchen table was right next to the living room, and one of the chairs was backed up to the carpet line. As we were watching TV, my mom's jacket, which was hanging on the back of the chair in the kitchen, suddenly started swaying back and forth. It was a strange sight because there was no air conditioner on, and all the doors and windows were closed. We all looked at each other in shock, wondering if we had just seen the same thing. At first, we thought it was just a strange draft, but as the jacket continued to sway, we started to feel uneasy. My brother and I clung to our mom, scared of what might happen next. It felt like an eternity before the jacket finally stopped moving, and we all let out a sigh of relief. Even though we tried to come up with a logical explanation for what we had seen, we couldn't shake off the feeling that something strange had happened. That experience stayed with us for a long time, and we always made sure to keep an eye on that chair in the kitchen. Looking back on it now, I still can't explain what caused the jacket to move like that, but it's a memory that will stay with me forever.
A few weeks ago, my buddy and I decided to go elk hunting in an area with a lot of bear sign. There were poop and trees that were all scratched up. We decided to spike camp in some timber. I slept on the ground while my buddy slept in a hammock. In the middle of the night, I woke up to something walking around outside my tarp. At first, I didn't think much of it, so I listened to it milling around for a bit before falling back asleep. The next morning, I asked my buddy if he had heard anything walking around. He told me that something had actually walked into his hammock. He heard it approaching, and then it hit the strap on his hammock before moving off. We weren't sure what it was, but it was definitely unsettling. It was more unsettling for my buddy than it was for me. We both knew that there were bears in the area, but we couldn't be sure if that was what we heard. It was a little nerve-wracking, but we continued with our hunting trip. We made sure to be extra cautious and alert, keeping an eye out for any potential dangers. Thankfully, nothing else happened for the remainder of our trip, and we both returned home safely. I drove south on Pine Grove Road and pulled into a spot near Laurel Lake, parked my truck, and got out. I hiked into the nearest woods along an unmarked trail. I carry a rather large revolver and a shoulder holster for self-defense. As I was about to sit down on a stump, I unzipped my coat and placed my hand in my gun to check it as it felt shifted. The second I put my hand on it, all hell broke loose. There was a loud crashing sound of branches breaking and something heavy hit the ground. I turned and lost my footing and fell to the ground. As I lay there, something ran past me. I not only heard it, I could feel it in the ground. Leaves were falling all around me. I got to my feet looking all around but there was nothing I could see and I quickly left. I hiked back to the parking lot, jumped in my truck, and moved to a different place in the park near Fuller Lake. I went to a picnic table and sat down trying to figure out what just happened. It was about two hours later when as I'm sitting there thinking, I heard the sound of about five or six large trees breaking in half and then a splash in the water. I cannot emphasize enough how loud this was. It sounded like a Mack truck crashing through the woods and into the lake next to me. I jumped up looking around and there was nothing. There were three people around me and no one reacted, not even a dog nearby. I was the only one that heard it. From what I have recently read, these things can read your mind and project thoughts and images and sounds to you. Thinking back on it, I believe when I put my hand on my gun, something jumped out of that tree and ran like hell and as strange as it sounds, it was invisible. Then it followed me and projected a sound to scare me back. The main reason I believe it was a Sasquatch is that there are tree bends and branch formations in many parts of the park. All of them are perfectly aligned to the north and south. People may never report them there, but I think they are very much there. had an experience a few years back that wasn't creepy to me. Who knew what I was hearing, but it was for the rookie co-worker hiking with me. We got off work at 6 p.m., drove a couple hours out to a trailhead, and started hiking up the mountain in the pitch dark, so we'd be in position to hopefully find a buck in the morning. As we're about a half mile in, there's this long, low call followed by some grunts that starts coming from just below us on the hill. I see my buddy start looking around him nervous as hell because he has no idea what he's hearing and hasn't spent much time in the woods. So hiking in the dark already has him on edge. He keeps walking, but I know he's got visions of Sasquatch snagging him up running through his head with every step. I let him wallow in his discomfort for a minute more as we kept going and the sound started coming up the hill towards us. About the time we hit the next switchback, I finally asked if he knew what it was. He was slightly relieved I was hearing it too, but said no. I chuckled at this point and told him it was just a cow moose. I had seen in the headlights just before we parked. She had been wallowing around in a spring at the base of the hill munching on aquatic veg and must have got her fill because she was working back up the hill to darker timber. The rest of the hike was quiet and unfortunately we didn't turn up a buck on that trip. I live alone in the woods 15 minutes from my town. 
My neighbors are near, but not right next door. One summer morning, I woke around 4.30 a.m. to a strange, pounding sound. It was still kind of dusky dawn lighting, and I was in a daze from just waking up. Then I started to hear a man's voice yelling, somebody help me. I began to look out my windows to see if I could see anyone but couldn't from upstairs. My home has no window coverings on any windows. I went downstairs and caught a glimpse of him, naked with a thin t-shirt on, running around my house trying to jiggle windows and doors. He was very erratic, kept screaming for someone to help him, and kept running from door to window all around trying to find a way in. In any normal situation, I would gladly help someone in need. But this situation felt too unpredictable and dangerous for me to allow this person into my home. I was able to contact my neighbors who got my message and quickly made their way over to help me. This is faster than any police that can get here. The guy ran away straight into the trees before they arrived. He was picked up by RCMP shortly after. No idea what happened there. It was a late summer afternoon in 2017. My husband and I were sitting on our sun porch. It's a side porch that looks out over a driveway and towards our neighbor's property where he has a humongous pine tree. My husband asked me, do you see what I see? It just so happened that I did. He never described what he was looking at, but pointed and following that, I saw a creature like that in the movie Predator. It was transparent, kneeling and looking at us from a perch high up in the tree. You could only see an outline when it moved. It appeared weightless because it was up so high in the tree. Those branches couldn't hold much weight. It was just staring at us and when it realized that we saw it, it went behind the main body of the tree and disappeared. This was the first time my husband is seeing anything with me and so it changed his whole perspective. Of course, he is more open-minded and not too quick to dispute when I share things I've seen now. He is ex-military and has been all over the world. But this was at home where he saw something that couldn't be explained. We both saw it without a doubt. Those semi-invisible beings, I don't know for certain what they are. We both have theories. What I know for certain is that they look like the cloaked alien in the movie Predator, when it was in transparent or invisible mode. It had a lizard-shaped head. My mom grew up in a little town in El Salvador called Chalatnango. She would tell me and my sisters this story, and she swears it really happened. All of my aunts that grew up with her confirm this story also. Supposedly, my mom's friend's father woke up one night at around 2 a.m. in the morning. He was around 27, I believe. It was still dark out, but he had to take a piss. This town is poor, so his bathroom was outside. While he was taking piss, a beautiful woman walked past him. He was a player and went after her. He tried talking to her, but she kept walking away. She eventually stopped and turned around. When she turned around, he was shocked to see that she had the face of a pig. He immediately started screaming. This woke his family and they went to his aid. They find him screaming rolled up in a ball in the middle of the road. They took him to the hospital. He went crazy. Before he went fully crazy, he was able to tell his family what had happened. My mom's friend told her what had happened to her brother. All of the neighbors that lived around the man that this happened to heard him screaming also and looked out their windows and saw him there. My mom said the ghost creature is called the Siguanaba. She has told me some other crazy ones that has happened to her when she was a kid. And my aunts and uncles have told me ones that have happened to them. Let me know if you want to hear them too. El Salvador used to be very hunted according to my family from there. There is a good sized field give or take 60 acres along the river just south of the old ford. This field is longer than wide running north to south. More than a few stone points have been found in this field over the years. The entire area to this day is full of deer and turkey, and was probably even more so before white men. Heck, I'm sure there were elk, deer, wolves, and bear in abundance in those times when it was all forest. It was for sure fertile hunting ground, and people have been there for thousands of years.
To this point, I have been remiss in pointing out the area across the river east of the property is a state game area. My wife's cousin is a solid guy. Let's call him Jay for these purposes. Jay, he is a hard-working family man, serious when he needs to be, and funny as hell in deer camp. I've never known him to exaggerate or stretch the truth. He relates a story when he was in high school, and he and another cousin were tasked with disking the big field along the river. They started on it one weeknight after dinner. It had been pretty dry and things were dusty. The way they went about it was he was on one tractor, slightly behind, and to the side of the other cousin on his tractor going north and south. They did it this way so as to cover more ground and get it done quickly. Jay says they were about one third of the way through the field when the sun began to set. It was then he started to see in the tractor's headlights what he thought were the outlines of figures swirling in the dust kicked up by the discs and the tractors. His first thought was his mind was just playing trick on him, so he ignored it until the next pass when he got about midfield and distinctly saw what appeared to be people with long hair dressed in what he described as native clothing. When he got to the end of the field, the other cousin had stopped his tractor and was climbing off. Jay stopped his tractor, got off, and went to see what the other cousin wanted. He said they both stood looking at each for a moment when they both said at the same time, did you see anything weird in the dust? At which point they made a joint decision to haul ass out of the field and come back and finish the job during daylight on the weekend. I remember it like it was yesterday, May 9, 1981. The day that changed my life forever. The day I saw something that still haunts my dreams to this very day. The Sykesville Monster. I was walking my dog near the woods of Sykesville, Maryland, when I heard a rustling in the bushes. I peered into the darkness, straining my eyes to make out the figure that emerged. It was taller than any man I had ever seen, and it certainly wasn't human. Nor was it an ape. I instinctively dubbed it a Bigfoot, as that was the only way I could describe the creature before me. In the years since my encounter, I've made it my life's mission to uncover the truth behind what I saw that fateful day. The local police have no records of the incident, and all my attempts to find answers have been met with silence. One day in 2014, I received a phone call that would turn my world upside down. The man on the other end of the line claimed to be a former military contractor who had worked at a secret government facility in Harford County, Maryland. He told me a story of a mysterious building with a heavily reinforced door that had been damaged by something inside. Could it be that the creature I saw in Sykesville had escaped from this facility? Were there more of them? Was this somehow connected to the whispered rumors of a place called the Monkey House? Over the following years, I pieced together the story of the elusive Monkey House near the Springfield Hospital Center. Locals believed it to be a facility where inmates laundered clothing and linens, but the level of security around the building raised more questions than answers. Eventually, the building was raised, and a residential community sprouted in its place. I began to entertain the possibility that my Sykesville monster was an escaped experiment from this monkey house, or the facility in Harford County. In my search for the truth, I reached out to other witnesses and investigated a surge of Bigfoot sightings at nearby Rock State Park and Gunpowder Falls State Park during the same period. As I dove deeper into this mystery, I found myself in a web of secrets and half-truths, with more questions than answers. The sightings in the state parks, the monkey house, the damaged door in the Harford County facility were they all connected, or were they simply a series of coincidences? It's been over 40 years since my encounter with the Sykesville monster. I still don't have all the answers, and perhaps I never will. The search for answers continues, and I'll keep pressing on, for as long as it takes. Because I know what I saw that day, and I won't rest until I find the truth behind the Sykesville monster. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, I decided to go for a hike in the Santa Monica Mountains in Los Angeles. I wanted to clear my head, so I chose a five-mile loop that I could complete before nightfall. The cool air and the sounds of the forest enveloped me as I walked, 
and I felt at ease, enjoying the solitude of the trail. As I rounded a bend, I spotted another lone hiker approaching from the opposite direction. We were both moving at a steady pace, and as the distance between us grew smaller, I couldn't help but feel a sense of recognition. I squinted my eyes, trying to place the familiar face, when it suddenly hit me like a lightning bolt. I knew this person he was the actor who played James Gunn, also known as Buffalo Bill, in the movie Silence of the Lambs. My heart raced as the character's chilling persona flashed through my mind, and I couldn't help but feel a pang of fear. I knew he was just an actor, but the character he portrayed had left an indelible mark on my memory. We continued to approach each other, and as we got within three feet of one another, our eyes met. He must have seen the shock and recognition in my expression, for his eyes held a sad and resigned acknowledgement. Yes, I'm him. No, I'm not really a serial killer. Despite knowing the truth, I couldn't shake the uneasy feeling that had settled in my chest. I walked briskly past him, my heart still pounding, and resisted the urge to glance back until I was a good 100 yards down the trail. I finally stole a quick look over my shoulder, relieved to see that he had continued on his way, just another hiker enjoying the peacefulness of the mountains. The remainder of my hike was consumed by thoughts of that brief encounter. It was a stark reminder of how the characters actors play can haunt them, and those who recognize them long after the credits have rolled. As I completed the loop and headed back to my car, the last light of the day fading from the sky, I couldn't help but feel grateful that I had met an actor who had played such a memorable character and not the character himself. I'm from the Netherlands and this happened to me. It's quite long sorry. I hope someone can help me out cause it's haunting me for years now. When I was younger I always had this feeling someone was standing behind me and I saw black shadows every morning. I stopped seeing them and moved on until this happened. I was 15 and I lived in some sort of mental hospital thing. One night I saw this figure in the middle of my room against the wall. It was very tall like 9 feet or something, very skinny like you could see his ribs and spine it had a grey blackish skin. He had big black eyes and a lurking smile with sharp teeth. He had very long limbs, arms, legs, feet, hands, I remember he had a chain around his neck and he had little horns. He was very slow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And that time I was in an abusive relationship and I was very depressed. I left the mental institute and got back home. It seemed to haunt me every time I got into a new relationship. If I brought my girlfriend home, my behavior changed. I got grumpy, irritated, and if she gave me love, I got terrified. My whole body started to shake, and talking was hard. When we broke up, everything was fine again, and I could leave it behind. After years, I started dating again, but the minute I brought someone home, it was like, nope, this doesn't feel right, and I got this overwhelming feeling again, even with friends sometimes. I tried to block this whole thing, but it's only possible if I stay alone. My sister saw him standing on the stairs to my room one day. She described it the same as how I saw him that one time, but he didn't do anything she said he just stood there. After a while I met this girl. She said she was spiritual and locked him in a spell jar after I got a panic attack again. 
We broke up and it felt like something was missing. I saw the jar and immediately opened it. What could this be? That one time was the only time I saw him, but I feel his presence so now and then plus it's like I could imagine him next to me. Sorry for the long message, I just hope someone can help. I'm not scared of him anymore cause he's harmless so far as I know it's just still in my mind. I had multiple theories what it could be like a lost soul or something. Thank you for your time, and hopefully I get a bit wiser. In a world largely untouched by modern civilization, hidden within a remote corner of the earth, lies a realm of untamed beauty. Towering trees reach for the sky, their leaves forming a verdant canopy that shelters a remarkable array of creatures. This is where my journey begins a tale of dedication, unity, and the unwavering commitment of a team working to safeguard the last vestiges of a fragile ecosystem. I'm Ava, and I'm a part of a remarkable team of conservationists and hunters. We've gathered from all corners of the globe to protect the endangered species that call this remote paradise home. As the sun rises over the untouched horizon, casting its golden glow across the wilderness, we embark on our daily mission. Our partnership is unconventional, bridging the gap between those who have dedicated their lives to preserving nature and those whose skills were once employed in taking it down. Yet, our shared commitment binds us in ways words cannot capture. Together, we work to dismantle poaching networks that threaten the very heart of this ecosystem. The challenges we face are formidable, our adversaries driven by greed and ignorance. Poachers, armed with weapons that shatter the tranquil silence of the forest, relentlessly stalk these lands in search of ivory, pelts, and body parts that hold no value beyond their commodification. Our enemies are not just the poachers themselves, but the insatiable demand for these illegal products, a demand that stretches across oceans. Our strategy is a careful dance of innovation and tradition. We employ drones to monitor the movements of wildlife, track poacher activity, and document the poaching hotspots. Our knowledge of the land is deep-rooted, passed down from generations of hunters who have evolved into protectors. We strategically position camera traps, capturing images of elusive creatures that would otherwise vanish into the shadows. But it's not just about outsmarting poachers. It's about fostering a genuine connection with the animals we strive to save. Each of us carries an unspoken bond with the creatures we've pledged to protect. I remember the time I gazed into the eyes of a majestic tiger, its amber gaze a mix of curiosity and caution. It was a moment that transcended words, forging a connection that fueled my determination. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, casting an array of warm colors across the sky, our campfire became a sanctuary for stories. The older members of our team recounted their experiences, tales of danger and triumph that had shaped their lives. As the stories flowed, I realized that beneath their rugged exteriors lay hearts that beat in harmony with the rhythm of the wilderness. But it wasn't just about camaraderie, it was about resilience. We faced setbacks that would have broken lesser spirits. We've mourned the loss of some of the most majestic beings to the cruelty of poaching feeling the weight of responsibility for their deaths. Yet, from those ashes of despair rose a determination to fight harder, to innovate more, to connect deeper. As time marches on, our efforts yield results. The poaching networks we once battled are dismantled, driven to the brink of extinction like the very species they sought to exploit. The animals begin to thrive, their numbers slowly rising from the brink of oblivion. Our triumphs are marked by the haunting calls of birds, the distant roars of lions, and the rustling of leaves as creatures once on the verge of vanishing return to reclaim their place. Our journey continues, an unyielding dedication to a world where humanity and nature coexist in harmony. As the sun sets over the wilderness, casting long shadows across the land we've sworn to protect, I know that our story is far from over. It's a story of unity, innovation, and unwavering resolve as we stand hand in hand with the creatures we hold dear, defending their right to exist in the face of adversity. My husband is a social worker and worked in the Austin State Hospital for a while. 
He was doing emergency mental health work with the police and their unit was stationed at the hospital. Ash is pretty well known for being haunted. He was working late one night in an office with huge floor-to-ceiling windows. The office did not have any blinds or window treatments, so when the lights are on at night, the area outside the windows are pitch black. One of the windows was actually a door that was always locked. He doesn't even think it opens anymore because the building is so old. The area outside the windows is a courtyard that is inaccessible because it's sandwiched by other buildings. To get to it, you'd need a key to get through one of the generally never open doors from one of the other buildings. Most of these buildings are empty or abandoned. Ash was defunded years ago, so a lot of the buildings are in total disrepair. This particular night, he was alone and got up to go to the bathroom. He was always creeped out by the windows. When he got up to go to the bathroom, he looked out the window and saw a man standing in the abandoned courtyard staring back at him. He freaked out and called security. They searched the area and never found anyone. He told his co-workers and they said, don't ever tell me anything like that again. He used to joke that it was a ghost who would attack counselors, but not social workers to freak out his LPC co-workers. used to do armed security in Denver. If you are familiar with the Lakewood area, there is a place called Clare Gardens. Next to that is a retirement community called Francis Heights, and connected to the Heights is a nursing home called Dayspring. Places rumored to be haunted. I was told that it was all built over an old orphanage that was ran by two nuns and a priest whom neglected the orphans there, and apparently some of the kids that died are buried there. Some of the ladies on the night cleaning staff were about to quit because they would clean the glass panes on the windows and doors, then return later to find little handprints on them. The residents would complain that they could hear kids running up and down the halls laughing and playing. There is an indoor gym next door, and my partner and I got bored one night and decided to go investigate to see if anything scary happened. I remember that sometimes in photos, paranormal things can be captured on film that we can't see with the naked eye. Took a random picture of the inside of the gym while my partner was off exploring, and when I looked at the picture, I saw what appeared to be the shadow silhouette of a person standing there looking down at its feet. Decided not to explore so much after that. I am writing a book about the crazy experiences that happened on the job. People think nothing happens on duty as a rent-a-cop. We have our days too, lol. I'm a hospital chaplain. I was on call one night. I got a call from a nurse about 3 a.m. saying that she got stuck with a psych patient, as they were considered psychotic, but not enough to be placed in the behavioral health unit. The patient was admitted a few days back, but suddenly just stopped talking to the nurses, other than saying, I'm dead and I can't talk to the living. Working in an area with many drug abuse patients and an unusually high amount of psych patients, an event like this wasn't too strange. However, seeing as they were having a hard time trying to communicate with the patient, the nurse was kind of fed up and just called the on-call chaplain to see if I could help. I arrive at about 3 a.m and the nurse tells me what I just told you. The nurse escorts me in the room and the patient gives her the same one-liner spiel. Upon seeing me, she said, Oh, you're dead too. I can talk to you. The patient then indicated for the nurse to leave, and I sat and talked for a good hour of this patient's concerns how they were going to die soon and felt unable to talk to any of the living. However, the patient insisted that I was dead too and that I was the only one she could talk to. Without breaking HIPPA, she gave some general end-of-life concerns one would typically see, with the added benefit of how she was able to get glimpses of heaven, but because of this could not really talk to the living. Having personally responded to other behavioral health complaints involving religious psychosis, I took this as another typical case. I was able to get the information and communicate the wishes of the nurse, and after explaining the details to the nurse left shortly that after. I made it back home and I'm just getting to sleep as I get a call from the operator saying there is a code in the same room and patient I just left and I was asked to come back in. 
By the time I made it to the hospital, the patient had died. Arguably the weirdest case I've ever handled. The city had always been my domain, its streets familiar like old friends. I was Officer Robert Hastings, a name that carried weight among my fellow officers. My years on the force had forged a reputation for fearlessness in the face of danger, a reputation that had become part of my identity. But little did I know that one fog-shrouded evening would redefine my understanding of danger and test the limits of my courage. It was a night like any other, routine in its unpredictability. My partner and I had just settled into our patrol car, the engine's hum and the flickering neon lights casting an eerie glow. The radio crackled to life with a call that seemed unremarkable at first a noise complaint originating from an abandoned warehouse in the old industrial district. The place had been closed for years, a relic of a past era forgotten by most. Its walls whispered stories of manufacturing and labor, now shrouded in shadows and mystery. The fog hung thick in the air as we approached the warehouse, its looming silhouette a stark contrast against the dimly lit surroundings. As we drew closer, a sense of unease settled over us, carried by the wind that seemed to carry faint whispers. It was as if the very walls held secrets, and the air itself was reluctant to let them go. My partner and I exchanged glances, acknowledging the eerie ambience that enveloped us. Ignoring the discomfort, we entered the warehouse, flashlights cutting through the oppressive darkness. The beams of light danced along the aged machinery and rusted equipment, creating an otherworldly dance of shadows. We walked cautiously, our footsteps echoing against the cold, hard floor. That's when things took a turn for the inexplicable. Footprints materialized before us, leading to nowhere, as if they were ghostly imprints of a long-forgotten past. Doors slammed shut of their own accord, a cacophony that reverberated through the silence. Flickering lights seemed to respond to our presence, casting eerie glows that played tricks on our senses. Deeper into the warehouse we ventured, the whispers growing louder, almost tangible now. Indiscernible words brushed against our ears, carried on the wind like haunting echoes of distant conversations. The air grew heavy with anticipation, and a cold gust swept through the room, extinguishing our flashlights and plunging us into an abyss of pitch darkness. Panic surged within me, a primal fear that gripped my very core. But amidst the chaos, a sensation cut through an icy grip on my shoulder. My heart raced and I spun around, ready to confront whatever was behind me, my flashlight trembling in my hand. But there was nothing, just the empty darkness that seemed to stretch on forever. My partner's voice trembled as he confirmed feeling a similar otherworldly touch. With trembling hands, we managed to relight our flashlights the beams slicing through the darkness once more. And then we saw it, a sight that would forever be etched into our memories, haunting our dreams. A shadowy figure stood just beyond the reach of our lights, its form contorted and unnatural, like a distortion of reality. It seemed to observe us, its presence radiating malevolence that seeped into our very souls. As we stepped closer, our flashlights trembling in our hands, the figure dissolved into thin air, leaving behind only an unsettling chill that seemed to hang in the very atmosphere. We stared at the spot where it had stood, our breaths caught between disbelief and dread. We rushed out of the warehouse, our hearts pounding in our chests, our minds racing to comprehend the inexplicable encounter we had just survived. The noise complaint had been forgotten, replaced by the surreal reality we had witnessed. Back at the precinct, fueled by a desperate need to understand, we delved into the history of the warehouse. What we discovered sent shivers down our spines. The warehouse had once been the site of gruesome murders decades ago, a dark past that had left an indelible mark on the place. As we pieced together the puzzle, my partner, and I couldn't shake the feeling that we had crossed paths with the lingering spirit of a victim, forever trapped within the walls of that forsaken building. The haunting of Precinct 13, as the incident would come to be known among our colleagues, became more than a story to us. It was a reminder that the shadows held secrets we couldn't always explain, that the night held terrors beyond our comprehension. It forever changed my perception of reality, 
challenging my courage and leaving me with a lingering unease, a haunting awareness that the line between the living and the unknown was thinner than I had ever imagined. I used to work as a police officer, but I left the job about a year ago to pursue my passion for outdoor activities. So last summer, I went on a camping trip with a group of friends to the Elahi Flat near Roseburg. We were having a great time, enjoying the beautiful scenery and the peace and quiet of the forest. But then, something strange happened. We were all gathered around the campfire, chatting and roasting marshmallows, when we heard a rustling in the woods. At first, we thought it was just an animal, but then we saw a huge creature emerge from the trees. It was a Bigfoot. At least, that's what it looked like to me. It was about three, four hundred feet away, but even from that distance, I could see it clearly. It was walking on two legs, just like a human, and swinging its arms as it moved. It was a surreal sight, and I could feel the hair on the back of my neck standing up. There were twelve of us there, and we all saw the creature. Some of us were scared, while others were just fascinated by the sight. We watched as the Bigfoot crossed a 600-foot wide clearing, then disappeared into the woods on the other side. After the creature had gone, half of the people at the campsite left that night. I don't blame them. It was a strange and unsettling experience, one that I'll never forget. As a police officer, I've seen some weird things in my time. But this was something else entirely. I've never seen anything like it, and I'm not sure I want to again. I was bow hunting with my husband, father-in-law and 14-year-old brother-in-law. We had just set out on our evening hunt, having arrived at camp the day before. We split into two groups, my husband and I headed uphill, my father-in-law and brother-in-law downhill. An hour or so after we split up, my husband and I heard a scream below us and seemingly centered in heavy area of brush trees in a hollow at the base of the hill. The scream was long and very guttural. The hair stood up on our necks. We went to locate father-in-law and brother-in-law. Upon meeting them, they told us that they too had heard it. My young brother-in-law was more than a little shook up. His dad had left him near a tree to see if he could jump some elk towards him. Both were very close to the sound since they had been downhill from us. My brother-in-law felt it was very near to him and was very relieved when his dad showed up to check on him after hearing the scream. We spent a little time that night trying to determine what it was. My husband and father-in-law have spent most of their lives hunting, fishing, and camping in various areas of Oregon, this one in particular. They hadn't heard anything like it. It was too deep for Cat, and my father-in-law swears it wasn't a bear. I listened to the tape on your site, and although it was similar, the sound I heard was a little deeper and more guttural. I used to work as a police officer. I'm from France, so that's where all this takes place. I quit the job about five years ago. My mother's health was declining fast at the time, and I needed more time to take care of her, and my mother passed away not even a year after that. But I've not returned to the job to this day. I don't plan on going back at all, partly because of the weird things I'm about to tell you about. I was out one night, and the person I was with, well, we were not the best of friends. I felt like he was too aggressive and rude with people. Not the type of person you want to have power over others. I'm basically saying that he was a prick who thought he was better than everybody and everybody made sure to abuse his position of power whenever he could. Nobody really liked working with him. He was every bad picture you could want to paint. Sexist, racist, very homophobic, and a narcissist. Imagine how he acted around me. I knew that he despised me. It called my life choices disgusting multiple times. This might sound really strange, but I feel like everything he said was questionable or downright awful. Sometimes it was his glass falling off the table and breaking. Sometimes it was his car alarm going off, and sometimes there were random noises around him, like random screaming. This one time, we had heard random shots next to us when we were investigating a robbery. 
and he couldn't help but say some horrible stuff about the black woman and her child living there. I really don't know how to explain it. It's like something was following him around and bowling him. He completely ignored it though, pretended like we were just imagining things. There was no way he didn't see it. It wasn't karma. It was something bad like an entity. I knew that it made all of us feel uncomfortable and kind of scared in some way. It was freaky, and that one night I was working with him was the most confusing night of my life. He was exceptionally grumpy that evening and made sure to show me throughout our entire shift. He kept on complaining about his family, his neighbors, and our colleagues and gossiping to my face. I tried my best to ignore him, but it began getting out of hand. He was really starting to piss me off. Throughout the night, there were several small incidents that happened. Some small and not too worrisome, but some were really scaring me. The first thing that happened in the car was the radio all of a sudden turning up in static. He turned it down and continued driving as if he didn't think it was weird. After a little while during one of his obnoxious rants, his coffee cup flew out of the cup holder towards him. This one scared me. It obviously couldn't have fallen out of the cup holder. It was basically launched at him. Again, he didn't seem to care at all and continued talking. After that, it was quiet for a while. Not that many people were out and about on the streets, so the shift was more calm. Everything turned around after that, though. It just got way worse. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something running from the side of the road right in front of our car. We hit the brakes, and before he could come to a stop, you could feel that we had hit it. What I saw looked like a black cat, so I just assumed we had killed it. I was surprised by him breaking. I didn't think he's the type of person that cared about that. You'd almost expect him to drive faster for something like that. We both got out of the car to see what happened, but to our surprise, there was nothing. I was sure that we had hit an animal, we both did, and he was just as confused as I was, but said the animal had probably been able to get away from the vehicle that maybe we had just hit something else, and none of this made sense whatsoever. We got back into the car. We were both very quiet at this point. After a couple of minutes, I almost launched out of my seat. My partner hits the brakes out of the car out of nowhere. We come to a stop, and I asked him what had happened. Now he looked scared. I had not seen him act like this ever, so it worried me. He told me that whilst we were driving, he sees a light behind the car. So he looks into the rearview mirror, and what he had seen terrified him. In the back seat of the car, according to him, was a woman dressed in all black. She stared right at him with a straight face. He said he immediately pushed the brakes, and when he looked back up, she was gone. I could tell that he was not okay at all. As soon as he told me this, I saw somebody standing to the other side of the road from the corner of my eye. I soon turned around to look from there, they were then gone. I cannot tell you how uncomfortable I felt. Seeing him being equally as freaked out as I was made it worse. He had ignored everything up until this point, but could not ignore what we had seen that night. We didn't talk about it after. You'd expect something like that to change a person, and after a couple of days of him being more quiet, he went back to his old ways.